Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Amen. How we doing? Man, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm humbled to be here. Um, been here since Wednesday, and um, it's been an awesome week. Yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed by the uh, time I've gotten to spend with the staff and leaders, and um, I just got to say, you, you have an amazing staff here. Um, you guys are so blessed by the people that get to, to serve you and you get to serve alongside with. Um, I'm honored that I'm in this position. Um, when you candidate, nobody ever says, hey, do you mind preaching on Sunday morning when you're, you're trying not to be a youth pastor? But um, when we were talking um, to the staff Wednesday, they said, what's your greatest strength um, in ministry? And I said, adaptability. So Jay ends up being sick. Um, I get th- I'm joking. Um, Jay, I'm sure you're watching, man. We're praying for you. Hope you feel better. Um, but yes, I wrote this message for students, but what I know about the Word of God is that it never returns void, and it transcends age. So if you're a person, this message, this message is for you. So do we have any people in here? Okay, so stay with me today. Please don't doze off um, because I believe God has something he wants to say directly to your heart. And I do, I do have to say this. Um, it's crazy how God orchestrates things because I have family that live in Baltimore, Maryland, um, my aunt and uncle, and they're sitting right there, right there. It's crazy. They were, they're, just vis- they're just visiting Scottsdale. Um, so it's just really cool. It's a blessing to, to see family here. It's crazy. Um, I, my heart for ministry is community. I like to build relationships. I like to build family dynamics. I like to build up the body of Christ. I love to do life together with people. Um, So that's my heart. That's how God um, designed me. That's my DNA because I believe that every person's story matters. I have a story. You have a story. And God wants our stories to be intertwined. And when we live our stories together, it's all part of God's big love story for us, right? I mean, that's his design for us. Then we get to be the light of his love to other people. So I'm excited to share this morning, but I don't like to do this alone, so let's pray. God, as I often pray, before I get to share your word, Lord, I always ask you, any word that comes out of my mouth that is not from you, I pray you take it far from this place. God, we want your words to rest on our hearts, to change our lives. God, as I pray every time I share God, we walked in here one way, and Lord, I pray we walk out of here different people, changed by your love, changed by your Holy Spirit, that we become a little bit more like you today. We can see the world through your eyes, go where you want us to go, meet people you want us to meet, and serve people you want us to serve. God, that's why we're here. So Lord, we just give you this time. Just pray you work in our hearts, and all God's people said... Amen. So this, this sermon this morning is called Heavy Lifting, but I'm not talking about physical heavy lifting. I'm talking about the heavy lifting that comes through our lives. I'm talking about emotional lifting, spiritual lifting, mental lifting, burdens that we all carry. Okay, We all go through stuff in life. We all have an opportunity to help people in life. We all have an opportunity to lift people's burdens because here's the, here's the reality. God has equipped you exactly where you're at, whether you realize this or not, to make an impact in the, the lives of those around you, okay? What's your mission statement as a church? Love God, love people, love the world. Every church I have worked in, it's always love God, love people, the two greatest commandments, right? Okay, we all have relationships, 
But God wants us to navigate those relationships in a healthy way. God desires us to handle our relationships the way he desires for us. There's these old quotes that I grew up with hearing from my youth pastor that say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Andy Stanley has a quote that says, your, your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Okay, if you take two pieces of fruit and you put them next together, and one is good and one has mold on it, do you know what happens to the fruit? What happens? The mold jumps from the bad fruit over to the good fruit and ruins the good fruit, right? So the d relationships that we have determine the quality of our lives. Who you surround yourself with is vital to the direction, the progress, and success you're going to see throughout your life, throughout your day even. Your, your relationships are going to help you walk in victory or drag you down to defeat. Okay, so I want to look at two stories in the Bible. I want to look at one in the Old Testament, and I want to, want to look at one in the New Testament. And I want to look at those stories of how the players in those stories helped people find victory in their situations, and what role people played in those relationships. As a follower of Jesus, you guys know that we get to walk in victory every single day because of Jesus Christ. And that is something, that victory that we walk in, that's not to keep to ourselves. Okay, we get to share how other people can walk in victory. So I want to dig into this first story, and it's in Exodus 17, 8 through 15. So if you have your Bible, you can um, turn to it. If you have your smart device, you can flip open an app, or you can follow along with the Bible in the sky. But Exodus 17, 8 through 15, and let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on, okay? Israel has been released from slavery, all right? The children of God, the Israelites, because of Moses leading them out of Egypt, okay, they are now out of slavery, and they don't even realize it, but they're kind of heading towards their first battle with the Amalekites. The Amalekites were Israel's enemy. They're descendants of Esau. So if you go back to the fathers of our faith, there's Abraham. Who did Abraham birth? Isaac, who had Jacob and Esau. Okay, Esau sells his birthright for what? A bowl of soup, right? Is that worth it? I don't know. To him, it was at the time. He was hungry. Okay, so Jacob gets the blessing, and he becomes the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so as the Israelites are about to have their first battle with the Amalekites, there's this, this kind of imagery that's going on because the Amalekites represent the world and its desires, and the Israelites represent the children of God. So you have this, this constant battle of the flesh versus the spirit all throughout Scripture. So I'm going to read, um, starting verse 9, Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim. Moses ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will take my stand on top of the hill, holding God's staff. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. It turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired, so they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Joshua defeated Amalek and its army in a battle. God said to Moses, write this up as a reminder to Joshua to keep it before him because I will most certainly wipe the very memory of Amalek off the face of the earth. Moses built an altar and named it God my banner, he said. Salute God's rule, God at war with Amalek, always and forever. Short story, simple story, but what you have to understand the Israelites, they just came out of slavery. They're not trained for battle, okay? On paper, there's no way they should have won this war. Uh, the Amalekites, they read the scouting report, right? 
they walked up to the Israelites thinking this is a cakewalk. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He always has different plans. He always has different plans. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that God's plans are different from yours? God's plans are different than your enemy's plans? Because God has a different vantage point. We see from street level. God has an aerial view. And when things look grim, we can trust because his vantage point is always perfect. And his heart for us is always to walk in victory. Guys, don't miss this simple but life-changing point. You need people in your life to help you fight your battles. There's this thing we all struggle with called pride, right? Where we try to handle things ourselves. We, for some reason, we think we're strong enough to handle so many situations in our life by ourselves. But one of the greatest gifts God has given us is relationships. And why did he do that? Because God is a relational God. He himself is community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. His design for us is to not do life alone. We need people in our lives to help us find victory. We need people in our lives to help us fight our battles. So the first question I want you to ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with to be your Aaron and her? Who is the Aaron and her in your life? That when you are going through a difficult time, when you're in a battle, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is, who is coming alongside you that when you feel weary and tired, they're giving you a rock to sit on. They're holding your hands up to help you find victory. Okay, and then who's helping you fight your battles? And in turn, who are you helping fight their battles? You know, one of the, the, the biggest excuses for everybody in life is busyness. I would do this, but I'm busy. I would do that, but I'm busy. And we get so off track of what matters most in life. Who are you helping fight your battles? I want, I want you guys to do something real quick. Close your eyes and think about what's going on in your life right now. How many of you are going through something that is causing stress, worry, frustration, and you feel like, man, I'm really struggling? How many of you are going through something like that? Raise your hand. Put them up high. Okay. Open, you know, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Open your eyes. Okay. Look around the church. Look around the church. Okay. So as the body of Christ, if we're seeing that there's people going through situations, how do we respond? Do we just look around and go, oh, yeah, there's other people. Okay. See you next Sunday. See you next Sunday. Or how, is we as the, how do we as the body of Christ get ingrained in each other's lives to walk next to each other, to lift each other up, to help people find victory in the midst of their struggles? If you're saying you're go, going through things, there's people here that can be there for you. But are you going to say, I'm too busy or I've got too many things going on? It's so cool how God works bringing the body of Christ together. But too often, the body of Christ just ends up being our own little groups, our own little, we, we check the box on Sunday, and then we just go back to our normal lives. That's not God's design for community. It's to walk through life together. There's strength in numbers. We can help each other find victory. And like I said, our human instinct is to be prideful. We say, I don't want to burden anybody with my troubles. You ever thought that? Yeah, I'm going through too much. I don't want to burden anybody. What does Paul say in Galatians 6 2? Carry each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. So when you say, I don't want to burden anybody, God's command is to say, man, no, 
we're supposed to carry each other's burdens with each other. Moses' burden, he was tired. He was exhausted. Okay? He just stood there with his arms raised because if you put him down, what happened? Israel was losing. His friends saw the need. They saw that he was exhausted. They put a rock under him, and they stood there holding his arms up so the Israelites could find victory. They stepped in to help in a time of need. This is such simple stuff. If you see somebody has a need, how can you meet their need? Whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially even. That's what the body of Christ is for. Joshua's burden, as kind of the thrown-in military leader of the Israelites, okay, he's down below fighting. Okay, so Moses, even though he wasn't fighting physically, how was he standing, standing with Joshua? He was in the battle on the spiritual side. His hands were raised, interceding on behalf of the battle that was going on below. He was crying out to God the whole time, wanting the Israelites to find victory. Okay? Intercessory prayer. You can meet people's needs in this realm, but our first, our first instinct needs to be, we need to, go, we need to go to him. We need to go to him. That's where we find victory. How engaged are you in your relationships? How engaged are you in the, with, with the people that are in your life? Are you able to pick on, up on cues as, no, man, there's something going on with this person. There's something going on with that person. Are you ingrained enough in those relationships that you're, you're invested into the well-being of the people that God has brought into your life? You know, one, sorry. The American greeting is, hey, how are you? What's the response? Good, how are you? You could be having literally the worst day of your life, and you're going to go, good, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good. Everything's good. Everything's great. Okay? Even in church on Sunday mornings, because we're busy, we're tired. How invested are we in these relationships? When was the last time you sat down with somebody and go, hey, how are you? Are you doing okay? Are you good? Do you need anything? How can I pray for you? Or if somebody goes, hey, how are you? If, somebody, if you said that to somebody and somebody goes, oh, I'm terrible, you're going to be like, oh, you're going to be taken off guard. Because honesty isn't a huge thing with people. We got to be invested in these relationships. We got to check in with each other. We're called to carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Be there for each other. If you can't physically be there for somebody, like I said, our first response is spiritually carry them by getting on your knees or raising your hands, crying out to God on their behalf. Pray for each other. Tell others what you need prayer for. I had a friend in, um, when I lived in, when I worked in Chandler, and her name was Amani. She would always come into our house, and I'd be like, hey, how are you? She'd say, she'd say pray for Amani, tell your friends. And I'd, I'd start laughing, and she's like, I'm dead serious. And it made me think. I'm like, why wouldn't I tell my friends to pray for this girl? This is the body of Christ we're talking about. My friends don't need to know her. But they, the fact that we are, we are bonded in a relationship because of Jesus Christ, like, pray for a man, tell your friends. Like, tell your friends to pray for your friends that they don't even know. It's interceding because we need to be invested into these relationships. If you think you're above prayer or don't need it, you don't understand the heart of God and his design for community and the mission he's called every follower, every one of us as followers to. 
I remember when I fully gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was July 3rd, 2001 in Columbus, Ohio at the Columbus Blue Jackets Hockey Stadium. It was at a national youth conference, and a speaker by the name of Ken Davis did an altar call and talked about rededicating your life. And I literally fought with God. God was saying, give me everything. I'm like, I'm good. Maybe later. He just kept saying, give me everything. Just do it. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And I'm, I'm just fighting. I mean, literally, I don't even know what made me stand up. I think God just gave me a swift, swift kick in the pants. The next thing I knew, I'm standing up, walking down. Tears flowing from my eyes. And as I'm praying, crying out to God, I feel a hand on my shoulder. It was my next-door neighbor, Dustin, who I hadn't talked to in four years because there was a horrible rumor about him in um, junior high that I believed. So we didn't talk. And I, I turned around and said, what are you doing? And he's like, I've been praying for you for four years. That was, that was like the first time I ever encountered Jesus. He was praying for me. I didn't even know he was helping me fight my battles. But he was. If you can't physically be there, spiritually be there for people, be lifting them up in prayer, be consistent, because God works. I would, man, I don't, I don't know where I'd be if Dustin wasn't crying out to God on my behalf. But to know that somebody cared about me that much, even though I didn't talk to him in four years, man, that's Jesus. So I want to switch to the New Testament, and this is going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Some religion scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves, He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, why are you so skeptical? Which is simpler to say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or say, get up, take your stretcher, and start walking. Well, just so it's clear that I'm the son of man and authorized to do either or both, he looked now at the paraplegic, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. The man did it, got up, grabbed his stretcher, and walked out with everyone there watching him. They rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Not a lot of times you've heard this uh, sermon based on this uh, based on this passage of scripture, and they focus on the miracle and the fair and and, and the, the people questioning Jesus. But I want to talk about the four guys that wanted to get their friend to Jesus. Imagine this situation unfolding. Jesus is preaching, and Jesus is popular. Whether you believed in him or not, people wanted to hear what this guy was about. So Jesus is teaching, and there's a huge crowd there, and these four guys had a friend that they cared about so deeply they wanted to get him to Jesus, but there was no way to get in. Can you imagine all of a sudden seeing debris start falling from the roof? I don't know how they got in there. I don't know if they had saws. There obviously wasn't chainsaws, but there's a huge distraction going on in this situation. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, you see this guy just start coming down from the ceiling. Imagine that happening right here. Wouldn't it be distracting? I, I mean... Uh, people would be upset, people would be worried, people would be freaked out, whatever it is, okay? It's not like the homeowner could have called the HOA or had home insurance to fix the hole in the roof. But these four guys cared about their friends so much, they were willing to do whatever it takes to get him to the feet of Jesus, 
to find healing, to find hope, to find victory, to find restoration, but most importantly, what every single person needs in this life, salvation, which is only found through Jesus Christ. I want you to ask yourself, what is keeping you from getting people into the presence of Jesus in your life? What's keeping you from getting people to the presence of Jesus? And what are you willing to do to bring people to Jesus? There's a lot of human elements going on in this story. People would have been talking. People would have been looking at them weird. People would have been angry at them. All of these human things that keep us in this insecure state. We have to figure out what is really keeping us as individuals from, from introducing people to the person of Jesus Christ. Are you the type of disciple? Okay, disciple is somebody that sits under a teacher and learns their ways. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, we, need to, we all need to be studying, understanding the heart of God and how Jesus walked, Jesus lived, Jesus spoke, and Jesus loved. If you're a disciple of Jesus, are you willing to do whatever it takes to help people win their battles, to find victory, to find strength in their weakness? Are you the type of disciple willing to lift people up to find healing, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual? In this situation, this man was physically paralyzed. You might know somebody like that, but we all know people that are spiritually paralyzed, that don't have hope, that don't have a future. How can you meet their need? How can you bust down a roof and lower them to the feet of Jesus? Here's my challenge to you, church. Okay, I don't, are there any high schoolers in here or junior hires? So we'll wait till next service to talk to them. Those of you who are empty nesters, your kids are growing up, you're in that retirement phase where you're like, man, life is smooth sailing. It's all about us. You're still part of the body of Christ. Who can you adopt in your life as a family to come alongside parents to teach them the wisdom you have that you've learned from life experiences to help them on their journey in parenthood? Those of you that have older kids, high school, college, whatever it is, who can you adopt that's younger than you that has little ones to help them on their journey and their frustration of what it is to be new parents or whatever it is? Those of you that are, that are newly married, younger parents, who can, you, who can you gravitate towards in college that can learn from your life lessons? We all have something to give. We all have something to teach. We all have opportunities to help people in different situations to find hope, to find healing, to find strength, to find victory. But are we invested in the relationships that God has put around us? I want you to bow your heads. And I want to read this quote from St. Teresa of Avila over you. Because it's so challenging and it's so beautifully said, but it kind of puts into perspective our role here on earth. She said, Christ has no body but yours. He has no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. 
Christ has no body now but yours. We're called to live life on mission, church. The mission of Jesus is to love God and love people. Are you living your life on mission? God has people in your life right now that are in need of healing, victory, and most importantly, to go from death to life, which is only found through a, moment, a relationship we'll with Jesus Christ. Our for when you leave today, thoughts, but first, we wanted you're going to encounter you people in. North Bible that Church you can is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, change their and situation, exists to equip help all generations to love help God, find love one another, and help love them the find world. Jesus. For more information so you about living North, life on mission, please church. visit our website. At As North you walk Bible out today, pray for now, opportunities some closing and see thoughts what from our God pastor. does. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. And God, I pray you use it as a beacon of hope and light in the community of Scottsdale and the surrounding areas, the state which leads to this country, which leads to this world. God, I pray all of us would step into our purpose, step into our role, and God, really be about people, because God, you're about people. Jesus, thank you that you can use us as a catalyst for change. Father, put us in situations to be your hands, your feet. God, give us your eyes to see, give us your feet to go. And, above, and God, when we do, I pray that you would get the honor, praise, and glory through all of it. God, we all have stories. Just pray you would weave the, our stories together. God, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.